This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful day Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of the Touch 'Em All podcast. I'm Phil Mackey. He's Derek Wetmore, rocking the V-neck Argyle purple sweater game. Almost here. always loving the sweater game. Um, which, by the way, quick cheap plug before we dive into this week's hot stove topic. You can find much more of Derek's sweater game if you were to like, follow, and or subscribe to our Facebook page, facebook.com/1500ESPN, where Derek does coffee/slash/teaside chats. On right. Tuesday, with uh, with your questions and his answers, you can find those and all kinds of other content on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. Plenty of good questions in Tuesday's Q&A coffee session, and as always, plenty of sweater game to go around, yes. Uh, leading the clubhouse here at 1500ESPN <laughs> in sweater game. So the Twins, if you look at formulas for success across baseball, if you look at the World Series winning teams or the teams that regularly win 90 games, win divisions, pretty pretty much across the board, solid at catcher, up the middle, shortstop, second base, and center field, offensively and defensively. Well, the Twins, you can make a case until Byron Buxton comes around, are really only solidified at one of those four spots, and pitching would count big time too, and they're not solidified there. It's second base with Brian Dozier. We're still waiting to find out who the shortstop of the long term is. Is it Jorge Polanco? Is it somebody else? Uh, you think Buxton in center field. The biggest unknown is catcher. So uh, let's start off with your column, your uh, five free agent targets the Twins should be looking at at the catcher position. And I would argue that's not the only path that they should be going down for finding a long-term catcher, but it's a good place to start for this conversation. that's right. I mean, they could go trade. They could, you know, hope inside, in-house works out, and that's probably just wishful thinking at this point. Um I wrote in the column that, you know, there are other avenues, but if you're going the free agency route, here's who I'd look at. And to me, Phil, it drops off after the first two names. Uh, the first one's a guy we talked about on your radio show earlier today. That's Wilson Ramos. I think he's at the top of the list. Number two is Matt Wieters. And we can dive into each of these guys. I, I think that'd be a fun podcast. But it, I'll say that after that point, I'm much less excited about the free agent crop of catchers. I read something almost every day about how the Twins are tied with Jason Castro and the Braves are maybe interested and Jason Castro, Jason Castro. He's like the only name floating around in free agency. I right don't now. get what the fascination. His agent must be doing a great job of pushing this or something. Because, He's got a very sabermetrically inclined agent yeah. who loves who loves pitch framing. And good for them. I mean, pitch framing is. I I don't mean to belittle it. I don't mean to trivialize it because it it does matter. It's an important thing. But it's like we've become so enamored with pitch framing in today's analytics that we overlook offense. We overlook other aspects of a defensive game like throwing out runners. Jason Castro is a league average 
guy at throwing out runners. He's not that much better than what the Twins have had in the past, which is Kurt Suzuki, who is awful at throwing out runners. So this isn't to say that Jason Castro's, you know, not a decent player. I'm sure he's a good guy. But, like, the fascination with Castro while we ignore free agent catchers like Matt Wieters and Wilson Ramos really, really surprises me. So he's Castro's number three on my list. Number four is Alex Avila. And number five, your guy, Kurt Suzuki. After that, man, there just really aren't that many So there's four guys on your list. Yeah, basically. exactly. Well, and I threw Chris Ionetta and, Ionetta and uh, Hundley, Nick Hundley, on the list, too. But it's like, do any of these guys get you excited about where the future of your catcher is going to be? The other thing, too, about that list is a lot of, if not most of those guys, are over the age of 28, like yeah. 29, it's 30. Tw- it's the 29, 30-year-olds. That's who's hitting free agency right now. So I would be, if I'm the Twins right now, I'm, I'm trying to project ahead to when my team might be ultra-competitive. In catchers, the age cliff comes pretty quickly, a lot like running backs in the NFL at age 30, sure. 29, 30, 31, 32. Do you want to spend millions of dollars on a multi-year deal for a guy who might just be on the backside of his career at that position? Um, I'd like to start at the top and go through Wilson Ramos and Matt Wieters because I think Wilson Ramos is obviously an interesting name just for Twins fans. He was the centerpiece of one of the worst trades in recent Twins history for Matt Caps in 2010. Where I will disagree with you on Jason Castro is not as much Castro the player. He's a decent player. Um, you know, if if he can help turn two or three pitches that were supposed to be balls into strikes in a game, I think that can matter. So I'm not going to totally trivialize uh, pitch framing. I like the thought process, the new Twins brass, clearly thinking beyond just the back of a baseball card box score, which sometimes that was the criticism of the Terry Ryan-led front office, that they weren't doing enough uh, maybe non-linear thinking. They weren't doing enough digging beneath the surface to find little half percentages here, a little 2% over there to make your team better. They're looking at the worst pitching staff in baseball. They know that defense can help fix that, better pitching can help fix that, maybe better process and scouting and developing can help fix that. And they're also, based on their interest in Jason Castro, understanding that maybe they left, let's say, an extra 15 or 20 runs on the table with Kurt Suzuki and Juan Centeno being bad at tricking umpires which is basically what pitch framing is. Are you good at tricking umpires or not? Can you trick Joe West or Angel Hernandez into calling that pitch something that it wasn't? Um, So I like that they're looking sort of in the cracks, in the margins for potential upgrades for this team. Now, would I give him four years and $10 million a year? Probably not. So so I'm sort of, I'm I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but I like their thought process. I will say that the other thing I pointed out in the column that I forgot to mention as sort of a precursor here is that I'm not talking about, hey, this guy's going to get this contract and this guy's going to get this one, so you'd rather have the cheaper player because he's going to contribute more excess value. I'm just talking about straight up, this is in a vacuum, what their performance is going to be the next three years, what do I want as my backstop? And... Do I need a starting caliber backstop? Maybe you start there. Maybe you say, actually, you know what? John Ryan Murphy's going to come around. Or, you know what? This is Mitch Garver's year to really show that he's the man. So you need a backup catcher then. Well, that's probably not the conversation that the Twins should be having right now. They're not solidified enough at the starting spot to know, okay, we'll just pay for a backup. And in that case, then Kurt Suzuki would be a fine backup. Or Alex Avila maybe be a fine backup. Start a couple times a week. Hit a couple home runs here and there. Um, but I think the Twins are in the market for, or or should be, I should say, they should be in the market for a starting caliber catcher. And, man, Jason Castro is just a, I, I could be totally wrong here. Maybe some people are going to 
slam me for this opinion, but Jason Castro is kind of like a fringe starting catcher to me. And the fact that I see so many Twins fans excited about it on social media or people you know, tweeting me or leaving comments on our Facebook page on 1500 ESPN or emailing me on my email list and like excited about the possibility that Jason Castro could be the next Twins pitcher. He's basically Kurt Suzuki minus a little offense, plus a little pitch framing, plus a little throwing out runners. Yeah. Probably an upgrade. I mean, uh, all things being equal. But are you excited about giving that guy a four-year deal because of the dearth of catchers on the free agent market right now? I just can't really get behind that. And I'd rank them in order the way I said them earlier. Just in a vacuum, if they all got the same contract, here's what each of them are worth. And I think Ramos is easily at the top of that list. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you just sort of a quick... My, my thoughts on Ramos and Weeders, are, it's pretty similar. I know that Ramos is coming off of ACL surgery, and so he's not going to actually be available until at least halfway through the season. Yeah. Age and price and how long it's probably going to take your team to start truly contending. I just don't know if, I mean, if you want to waste money and flush money down the toilet and, and maybe make your team a little bit more competitive in the short term, they've certainly done that quite a few times in the last six or seven years on just sort of mediocre free agents. I just don't see how it moves the needle based on the fact that you're not ready to win right now. You're just like adding a 29-year-old in his prime catcher, assuming that Ramos comes back and starts producing again after the knee surgery uh, rehab wears off, I just don't... You're not ready to add that piece to your puzzle. And so I'm actually more curious... It's going to sound crazy. I'm not saying that these players are going to be better. I'm just more curious about John Ryan Murphy. I'd like to know once and for all, in 2017, is John Ryan Murphy going to catch for you in any capacity? Uh, You mentioned Mitch Garver, who, unless you're following the minor league system of the Twins really closely... The last two years, they just put him on the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft at the winter meetings. You know, Mitch Garver's a guy who, in the last couple years, uh, 2016, he threw out 48% of potential base dealers at AA and AAA. That's a huge number. If you're throwing out half of base dealers at AA and AAA, I don't know how that translates necessarily to the major leagues, but that's a pretty good number. Offensively, and by the way, he is uh, 25 years old, so he's not exactly... It's time for Mitch Garver at some point here in the next couple of years to make his major league debut. You know, minor league track record, eh, two sixty-seven hitter gets on base with a three sixty clip and uh, is good for like ten to fifteen home runs over the course of a full season. Well, that I mean, twenty-five years old, it's time to come up. You played at double and triple A. I'm curious. I'm more curious to see that in 2017 than to bring in Matt Weeders to to lose ninety games and sure. not be a part of your resurgence when unless you can spin him off. As a trade asset or something. I get trapped into this line of thinking, and I'm going to try to pin you down here. Hey, guys, this is Justin Musil, pro baseball scout. And Phil Mackey, pro radio guy. And we have the best baseball storytelling podcast on the market. That's right. It's not us telling the stories. It's Aaron Boone on coming from a baseball family and hitting one of the most famous home runs in the country. Jim Brower telling Barry Bond stories. Find Hardball Society on iTunes Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or HardballSociety.com. That's a lot of places. Yeah. I'm going to try to catch you in some hypocrisy based on your Twins take just a second ago and your Vikings take uh, when Blair Walsh was cut. Okay. Very similar line of thinking to me. I think about this Twins organization or this... um, this collection, trying to put together a 2017 roster, I think about it the same way that you were talking about Blair Walsh. People saying, well, you know, what's the point cutting Blair Walsh now? I mean, this team's probably not going to the Super Bowl, and their offensive line's so crappy. And, like, 
Cutting Blair Walsh doesn't make TJ Clemmings an NFL player, so what's the point? But you got to start somewhere. You have to start building. You have to improve at the margin. If you're the Twins, you need to be better than you were in 2016. Your pitching staff needs to be better. Your defense needs to be a lot better. Probably need to be better at throwing out runners, although it's a smaller thing than those other two things I just mentioned. So my point is, so go get an asset. Go get somebody to help you out there. And if Mitch Garver turns out to be a stud and you just can't keep his bat out of the lineup and you don't want to sit him because his glove and his arm are too good behind the plate— well, then fine. Now you got two catchers and you can spin one off. And if you have to take a loss on the trade, fine. It's I, I get locked into this line of thinking that, like, okay, they're not a World Series contender, so why would you go buy an eighth inning guy? But that eighth inning guy is still valuable on a losing team. You just have to figure out, is it worth it to spend the money to me? And when I look at the Twins' payroll, they've got room to spend. And if they're going to say, no, we're going to hunker down – and we're not going to spend anything. I don't think we should just let them off the hook unless it's very strategic in saying, we're going to lose a lot of games this year so we can get another number one overall pick, and then it's go time. Sure, no, and I'm not saying you, sh- you should never spend or add veteran pieces to a team that's not ready to contend. I don't, sure. want, I don't want that to be the message here, but let's just say that Mitch Garver has a chance to be your starting catcher for the next five years if he's given a chance at some point in 2016, or even John Ryan Murphy. Sure. Let's say, let, I know that John Ryan Murphy was terrible at AAA and in the majors last year, but let's just say that that he becomes, at some point, a viable starting catcher, or that you're just looking to see if he can become a viable starting catcher. Well, if you sign a Wilson Ramos or a Matt Wieters, and that's going to be at least $10 million a year, yeah. that position, the productivity, if those guys can be healthy, um, those are those are $10-plus million a year players that's my guess anyways. Okay, well you're probably not going to you're not going to give Mitch Garver playing time now. If you sign Matt Wieters, you're basically ruling out Mitch Garver playing at the major league level in your organization for the next 2 years because you're also not going to trade Matt Wieters a half season into a 3-year contract. Mm-hmm. So um it sounds crazy because I don't even know if Mitch Garver is going to be a major leaguer, but I think Exactly. But I think you're in the mode of you're planning for the next 5 years, not for this year. So right. any move that you make I'm okay if you're if if it's some kind of a patchwork stopgap move, your bullpen's terrible. Okay, so go get two viable sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys that you can mix in with five younger pitchers that mm-hmm. are a little bit less established because there's different there's five or six different bullpen roles to kind of go around that you can split up or seven or whatever. Um, at catcher, I know you can play two guys at catcher, but the guys we're talking about are everyday players at catcher that are going to catch 120 or 130 games. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. We're not as far apart on this as yeah. maybe it seems. Right. I'm okay with signing players, but I'm in full discovery mode with this roster for the yes. next year or two, just to see what you have. And generally speaking, I agree with that. But I'd cut Blair Walsh. I would make sure that I've got a plan in place, and that if Mitch Garver surprises everyone and jumps to the top of prospect lists as the you know the top catcher in the Twin system and the savior that they've been waiting for for the position yep. since they traded Wilson Ramos, in a Twist of irony. Yeah, I that. think that I, th- I'm not saying that Mitch Garver is not going to be a player. Like I, like I said, like you said, I don't think that we disagree on that. But I think that it's wishful thinking to assume mm. that he'll be a 130 game catcher. And with uh, with Ramos and Weeders, you know Ramos is not going to catch 130 games. So if you're signing Wilson Ramos and you think Mitch Garver is going to be a star, let Mitch Garver start the first three months of the season while Wilson Ramos works his way back from ACL surgery, and then he comes back healthy and you've suddenly got two starting caliber catchers, that's a pretty good problem to have. If you, on the other hand, don't sign somebody and John Ryan Murphy turns out to be the guy we saw last year and he just can't play, 
and then Mitch Garver is you know a body. He's he's a if he turns out to be you know a journeyman caliber catcher who's always going to be able to hit a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe his caught stealing numbers were inflated last yeah. year in the minor leagues. Whatever. All I'm saying is he's still a mystery to an extent. Okay, well, now you're kind of caught with your pants at your ankles. And I think if you're the Twins, you don't want to do that. You want to put on your pants, basically. Yeah, don't leave them at your ankles. Right, so here's a, here's a corollary. Plus it's really cold outside, so it's going to be even more embarrassing. Here's a corollary. If you are curious to see what uh, one of the top pitching prospects, Steven Gonsalves, can do in the majors, as I am, I don't think that means you have to trade Irvin Santana and clear a spot. I think that these things tend to work themselves out, and we— I fall into this too. I used to follow prospects a lot more closely than I do now. Uh, I used to follow every organization, and I could maybe not name you their top ten in order based on Baseball America and Fangraphs and all that stuff. But I was at least familiar with the top ten prospects of all the organizations. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that anymore. I don't follow them as closely, and one of the reasons is, well, a there's just more to pay attention to when you're covering a major league team versus when you're not. But um, the, the bigger thing for me was like I was getting. I was getting some blindness. I would say, you know, like a, a player like Chris Carter. You hear about the power. You hear about the fact that he's like a can't-miss slugger, and he's got some strikeouts, and he's got some issues, but like, man, Chris Carter. And then you tend to overvalue him because you've heard his name for two, three, four years. Um, I was guilty of this with Byron Buxton for a little while, too, and he struggled early. I was like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, he's 21. Oh, right. yeah, he's 22. Barreos, man, he's got a 90 ERA. I thought this kid was supposed to be a legit top-end starter. Oh, yeah, he's 22, and he never had to go worry about control um, because he could just blow things by players. He had three-plus pitches that minor leaguers hadn't seen. And he's pitching among one of the worst infrastructures in Major League Baseball, sure, a team that has lost this many games and a system that has uh, has helped produce this many losses. Probably obviously. some of that. I, w- I will say that I am not trying to block Twins prospects. Like, um, I I can't think of another example that's an easy comparison to this catcher situation, but the starting rotation is the the best thing I've got. That I I wouldn't say, well, all right, I'm on the record as saying I think they should put Trevor May in the rotation. I think Jose Barrios is going to be a guy this year, and I'm curious about this Gonzalez kid. Um, still Tyler Duffy, Kyle Gibson, you've got some other names to throw into this hat. But I wouldn't say, well, okay, I mean, how, how are we going to get enough rotation spots for Gonzalez? Well... If he's your one of your top five starters, you got to figure something out. You can't sign another pitcher. You can't yeah. trade for another pitcher. Fix your major league problem right now, and if some of your projected minor leaguers or guys that are coming up through the system surprise you a little bit, you can figure something out about that down the road. Much more often than not, those guys don't pan out. Uh, we tend to overrate them because we've heard about them for so long. And or... Injury takes care of it, and none of this matters, and it's good to have a backup option. I think if the Twins don't have a backup option at catcher, they're kind of just flying without a safety net a little bit. You know, it, it, it's amazing how spoiled we were when Joe Maurer was in his prime at that position, and everyone was mad even even after uh, 2009, when in 2010, in 2012, 13, when he was batting 320, but the power wasn't there anymore, and uh, maybe he wasn't catching as many games as he was before some of the surgeries, but... When you have someone with that kind of a bat at that position and playing serviceable defense, it's amazing the undercurrent. You don't even really see it, but how much it raises the water level for your entire team. Um, and then you look at the Twins right now. I just want to—I'm going to give you a few statistical examples of how far behind the Twins are um, at their catcher position, maybe compared to some of the other top teams in baseball, and how they used to not have that problem when Joe Maurer was the catcher, and they had Wilson Ramos 
coming up through the system. So let's go back to pitch framing for a second. And now this is not to be taken as gospel. It's not something that I think you can fully quantify to the 100, uh, 100th percentile. But Buster Posey was regarded as the top framing catcher in baseball last year. 27 runs above average. Juan Centeno, or Centeno, was 17 runs below average. So we're talking about, just in terms of pitch framing, we're talking about a 45-run difference between what the Twins were boarding. And that was for like a half season of Juan Centeno. And Suzuki wasn't much better. So that's just pitch framing alone. That might be an extra three, four dozen runs. And again, maybe it's not that. Let's call it 20 or 30 runs, whatever it is. Well, what about offensively? Uh, the top catching team in the league offensively was the Yankees, with Brian McCann, and I'm sure they had a couple backups in the mix too. 123 runs created, weighted runs created, according to Fangraphs by the Yankees. Well, the Twins were sort of, uh, let me find them here. They were 21st in baseball, 61 weighted runs created. So, I mean, you can start to add these things up at the margins and see how spoiled we were when Joe Maurer was the starting catcher on a regular basis and they were near the top of the offense list. I'm sure um, early in his career when he was throwing out base runners, they were near the top of the defensive list at catcher. So catcher more than almost any position, I'd say shortstop and center fielder in there too, can can really offer a lot of hockey, uh, hockey assists where you're raising the water sure. level, but maybe you're not getting full credit for uh, for your teammates succeeding because of you. Byron Buxton's going to make Twins pitchers look better than they are in the course of his career. Um, just to circle back on the Wilson Ramos trade for Matt Caps, what I'm suggesting here means you then also have to make smart decisions down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, downriver, you're still going to have to choose how do we value these assets, how do we leverage the assets that we have, and if you need, if you have two starting caliber catchers, great, you're in a great spot. Now, what do you do with that? Can you trade one for? A young pitcher? Can you figure out a way to make those two assets work best for you in your favor? The Twins screwed that up in the Caps trade. They said, well, we've got a catcher. Joe Maurer not moving behind the plate. What are we going to do with this stud hitting uh, catching prospect, Wilson Ramos? Well, we might as well turn it into something of value. And so they went and got an eighth inning guy who they thought was a closer, Man. and it didn't work. That's a problem. I'm not saying that you can get away with screwing something up like that, but yeah. having Joe Maurer in his 2009-2010 form and a Wilson Ramos is a good situation, and I don't think that's something you should try to avoid. And you know, this is the one argument I've heard even from the twin side and other people. Matt Caps was actually really, really good in 2010 in the second half for the Twins. He had like a 220 ERA or something. The problem is they won the division by about six games, and they never used him for any meaningful outs in that three-game sweep at the hands of the Yankees in the playoffs. so they, And then he came back the next year, but the team tanked, and he had a shoulder issue, and so they or elbow, whatever it was. They basically traded a top-three catching prospect who was emerging into his prime and ready to break out, if not for a bunch of injuries, for uh, what wound up being, like you said, a late-inning setup-type guy. Now, if you're the Cubs and you, have, and you have a chance to win the World Series, and the Twins thought they did in 2010 and there's an Araldis Chapman on the market, or you're the Indians, and there's an Andrew Miller on the market, someone who can really move the needle and get swings and misses. That's about the only time I would trade a premium position top prospect for a relief pitcher if you're ready to really tip the scales and uh, and go on to, to maybe win a pennant. So, all right. The Twins aren't there. I wrote about that in the column. They're not ready to win the pennant? Kind of depends where oh, you okay. think you're going to be in 20. 20- 2017. Oh, bearing the lead again. I know. That's my that's my hot take of the week. You heard it here first.